Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pre-Med Perspectives. Today, we have a very special guest. Dr. Manna Hagos is an Eritrean American physician. She is a level one trauma center trained anesthesiologist and newly an author of the Pre-Med Perspective Survival Guide, or the Pre-Med Survival Guide, How to Get Your Mindset Right. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today, Dr. Manna. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Isha. Hello to all the listeners out there. Uh, thank you so much for your attention. And I'm so excited to share information that I believe that you will find very helpful as a pre-med, as a medical student, or wherever you are in your pathway. Cheers. Thank you so much for that in introduction. Um, before we get started into talking about your book and all the motivational things that I'm sure you have to say for today, do you want to just kind of talk about your journey, how you got into medicine, and how ultimately you ended up being an entrepreneur and writing this amazing book? Awesome question. So I'm a first-generation Eritrean American, like you mentioned earlier. So I immigrated to the United States with my family, grew up in Southern California, was very fortunate to attend a very high-performing school district. So I had just a wealth of resources that were available. And one of those resources were a science discovery day um, in my elementary school. I always knew I had an interest in the natural sciences. I thought I was gonna be a geologist for the longest. And I saw my first human brain and I said, okay, I'm done. I don't need to go dig up anywhere, any rocks to find something super cool. You <laughs> and I walking around are the most amazing things ever. Whether we're working when all the systems are in sync or when something is not, it's just a intellectually really stimulating um, knowledge or a piece of fact to know that you and I walking around are probably like the most amazing things in the on the planet at least so that's how I got my interest in kind of introduction into medicine and as I matured I made observations about what I saw in terms of health disparities noticing the socioeconomic political determinants of health and I thought okay so not only do I have an interest just intellectually in medicine but also as a person I think that this is an amazing way that I can contribute to the field of medicine, having those experiences. So I went to UCLA for undergrad, um, had some really interesting experiences there. If we have time, we can talk about it. Um, generally, I'll just say that general chemistry sucks for everybody. <laughs> it did for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I had, you know, really interesting uh, enlightenment where I understood on a deep level that you know everything that I was putting through that I was putting myself through was for a higher purpose and once I understood that on a deep level I was able to make very strategic plans execute them well and every quarter until I graduated I made the dean's list graduated with a 3.95 uh, took a gap year started my first company, which was a mobile tutoring business, amongst other things that I did, like studying for the MCAT, and was fortunate to receive multiple acceptances to medical schools on my first attempt, and was very happy to attend USC, or the Keck School of Medicine of USC, 
uh, for to obtain my doctorate in medicine. And then after that, went into anesthesia. So I trained at a level one trauma center and I'm partial to anesthesia. There were great people. I had, you know, amazing experiences learning from nurses, techs, physicians from various specialties. And of course, all of the patients who entrusted me and everybody else on the healthcare team with their health. So I'm very fortunate to have those experiences. And shortly after completing residency, I decided to take another plunge and take on another challenge, which is to pursue my other passion, which is for business and not only the business side of medicine, but also education technology, health technology, medical technology. So I created my digital publishing company. I wrote a book, The Pre-Med Survival Guide, How to Get Your Mindset Right, which is targeted at first-generation and underrepresented minorities in medicine because we get a lot of different advice from SDN and well-meaning advisors and you know all sorts of individuals, um, but there is so much more to the process than just grades in your MCAT. You and I had the opportunity to talk about this a little bit earlier, and that was awesome, where you know, like things like imposter syndrome, feeling doubtful about your abilities, so wondering, am I really cut out for this? Because you've been studying hours and hours and your practice passage on the MCAT is just abysmal, right? <laughs> or you're going through GCHEM or BioCHEM or any type of science-based class uh, work and you realize, darn, this is really hard. If this is hard, how much harder is medical school going to be? And and then, of course, after that training and, you know, being an attending. So yeah. I decided to put all of the great tidbits, all of the amazing tips and the strategies that enabled me and others like me to be very successful, not only into getting into medical school, but staying in medical school, you know, getting into a competitive specialty, staying in residency, because every part of the journey is so hard for so many. And I wanted to just make that a little bit easier for as many people as possible. So that's how the Pre-Med Survival Guide was born. And it is available at drmana.com today. Yes, I love that. And you're completely right. Getting into med medical school is only half the battle. You still need to get through medical school, get through residency. You have to survive mm -hmm. everything. So I would exactly. say that everyone needs a survival guide. And I think it's so cool that you're able to, I feel like, since you, like you said, you were a tutor in high school or in college, you had your tutoring business as a, uh, a student tutor myself, I can, I can see that like, you really loved helping people and motivating people and giving your own personal advice. So that's really awesome that you were able to kind of take all of your advice and put it in one place and make this amazing survival guide that I'm really excited to read. And I'm sure is going to be so helpful for me, not only throughout my pre-med journey, but also throughout uh, medical school through feeling that imposter syndrome and all that. Mm -hmm. So, so about your book. So I am really interested in knowing how can somebody use your book as a guide and when exactly should a student start looking into these guides? Because, you know, you don't know for sure if you want to be a doctor in high school or middle school. Some people know early on, some people don't, but 
like when you get to college, a lot of times you feel like you're behind if you haven't known that you wanted to be a doctor for years and years and years. So how can somebody use your book and when should they really start looking into this pre-med survival guide? I love that question, Isha. So medicine, the application cycle for medical schools takes a year, right? And part of that, there's so many different aspects of the application, right? Everyone talks about checking the boxes, research, committee service, shadowing, MCAT, grades, personal statements, all of that, activities. And, you know, just like that process, which is long and there's so many components to it, so is the preparation process to get to that point. So when you talk about when should people access and use the pre-med survival guide as soon as they think they have an interest in medicine. Because many of us, or at least some of us, a large you know, number of us may not, may not have, well, actually the, the statistics are the majority of, uh, in the US, the majority of medical students come from one or two physician households, almost 70%. There's still, you know, a decent amount of students who may not fall into that category and don't have direct access to a physician like their parent or brother and sister. And it is so imperative to get reliable information from someone who's been through the process and have had so many of those types of experiences that you have already touched on and that we're about to get into to give that guidance on the foundational aspect of success, right? Yes, the MCAT is important and the MCAT is great. And so is your science GPA and every other part of your application. But how do you get there? How do you deal with the doubt? How do you get yourself organized? How do you make a plan to get the grades? How do you execute on, you know, getting into a great research project when you don't know anything about research and there's, you're at an institution where there's just tons of people. I went to undergrad at UCLA. It's a large university. You know, at any point in time, pre-COVID, there'd be anywhere from 40 to 50,000 people on campus, according to the stats from the university. So when you're in spaces where there's just so much opportunity, or conversely, if you're, if a listener is at an institution or in a region where Maybe there isn't as there aren't as many people, or it doesn't seem like there are that many opportunities for in-person, you know, shadowing or clinical experience. It's becomes that much more important to get access to a convenient resource to lead you through the way, to lead you through and say, hey, we we know that the MCAT is hard. We know that these science classes are hard. Guess what? There's this amazing website. Uh, called the doubleamc.org. If you want to apply to allopathic schools or if you want to apply to osteopathic schools, there's a commas website and they'll tell you everything you need to know. Here are the prerequisites. Here's the application timeline and all of that good stuff. But the information that we all want and need is, well, how do we deal with negativity? How do we deal with the doubt if it's coming from within or it's coming from, you know, external uh, uh, positions. How do you, how do you navigate performing when you're tired and hungry and frustrated, which listeners will be when they're in medical school and training and as an attending. So those are the kinds of things that I found to be really important 
And I learned the hard way, mainly a lot of <laughs> trial and error. Yeah. And I realized, oh, it's so much more than, you know, do I know how to induce and intubate a patient safely? Do I know how to place invasive lines? And can I manage interoperative scenarios safely and effectively? It's also relationship management. You know, yeah. how do you communicate with people when you're stressed out and they're stressed out? How do you do that with patients? You know, how do you navigate this crazy complex healthcare system that we have that we're also very blessed to have? Um, and I put in all that information in the guide in a very concise format, because guess what? I sat through 120 plus PowerPoint presentation classes, and I like things that are succinct and to the point. So all of the meat and the good stuff, or if you're a vegetarian, all the good veggies are in the pre-med survival guide at drmana.com. Yes, I, I love that. And you're so right. All of us need some kind of guidance to motivate us through such a long and arduous journey. And I kind of relate to you. I know you said you're a first-gen student here, and I and um, I kind of relate because I'm one of the first people in my family to become a doctor. So I didn't really have mm -hmm. that aunt or uncle or, or grandparent or even parent to kind of go to for advice or just like for general guidance. I mean, nobody really tells you how to deal with all of your friends making money before you or how to deal right. with like this really difficult work-life balance that is, first of all, so hard to master and also something that doesn't really end throughout your life you're always going to be a doctor you're going to have boards every 10 years I feel like a lot of us never really get to see how that what that looks like and to really understand all these like other parts of medicine that people don't really talk about in websites or or pre-med books so I'm really I'm really really thankful actually that you've written this guide for and kind of just being like that guidance that all of us need especially the ones for the ones that don't have it because everyone mm -hmm. needs needs the the, uh, the motivation and encouragement to know that everything is going to be all right in the end and you will get there so that's really awesome that's right that's right we all need help and something i realized um relatively late but in my medical like training and you know education but relatively early in my lifetime i guess is I realized it's something we hear all the time, but we don't really like, yeah, yeah, we get it. Everyone needs help, move on. And it's like, yeah, but do you really understand what that means? That means that when you're failing a class or you're barely passing or you're retaking your MCAT or you're struggling to get letters because you feel like you, you feel intimidated or you're an introvert or you know maybe you're dealing with your own health problems because guess what you're still a person just right. because you want to be a physician guess what you're still part of the whole human experience and a lot of those parts or at least some of those parts um, are rough and they're hard and during those times it's very helpful to develop a mindset that is whole and comprehensive and strong so that as you level up right as a medical student as a resident as attending you're able to also level up your coach your coping strategies you're also able to level up the amount of kindness that you show to yourself because so many of us are type a we are the <laughs> hardest on us nobody can beat us up 
more than we beat up ourselves internally or mentally. And, you know, I think that's something that we can all use a lot more of self-compassion. Right. I, that's, I completely agree with that. And I'd really love to talk about something that kind of goes unsaid, but I think, and I know we talked about this earlier, um, is something that every single medical student, pre-medical student, anyone pursuing any healthcare field goes through, and that's imposter syndrome. And I actually went, I think today was one of the biggest times that I ever had imposter syndrome. And that was um, during my anatomy lab class when we were able to look at prosected cadavers. And I just felt like I didn't know anything. I didn't, I looked at the, I looked at the donor bodies and I felt like I didn't know any of the muscles. I didn't know any of the arteries, veins, nerves, anything, even though I might have known it in the books, I looked at the, the, the donor bodies and I felt like I didn't know anything. And that really made me question, uh, question whether I really deserve to go to medical school and re- whether I really do deserve to become a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that so many people go through and nobody really talks about it, but it's such a hard thing to get over because, because it's just, it, it makes you feel like you don't deserve to be there. So do you have any tips or um, strategies to kind of go through that and any just general adversities that um, pre-med students face and how to kind of work through those and maintain a an encouraged mindset? Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that experience. And it's an experience that we have all felt or will feel for those who are uh, med, you know, medical school, Uh, cycle hopefuls for this coming season or next yeah and that's feeling like we face a challenge and it makes us question our abilities and isn't that so sad that people just in general stepping back people work so hard to get into medical school they work so hard to fulfill a dream and when challenges happen like you studied and you show up to the exam and it's not what you expected, right? (laughs) Or you're now asked to, you know, on a, on a being to be able to apply the knowledge you learn, whether it's anatomy or otherwise, and you say, this does not look as clean as netters, (laughs) as netters, beautiful (laughs) drawings (laughs) on netters drawings, right? Yeah. Um, The veins and arteries are separated by colors. Everything's perfect. Exactly. And you know what? That is such a great example that highlights a major thing that comes up again and again, which is things in life are rarely, if ever, as nice as how we studied it Mm -hmm. or how we prepared for it. Right. Right. So that's not just the anatomy exam. It's also the MCAT also performing in undergrad research I mean it it really just goes on and on and it's I think it's helpful to talk to people and have some real conversations um, about what their previous challenges were and how they overcame them so you can get insider perspectives so for example if you know you're going to be a great osteopathic physician that contributes to the field like Isha here is going to be. (laughs) Thank you. Then, you know, it would be in your best interest to speak to osteopathic physicians who are at different levels in their medical career. So medical students, residents, junior or relatively new attendings, 
middle career, more senior attendings. And you'll get a little bit, you'll get a much, much better idea of the reality of things. You know, I'll share a quick story. <clears throat> In residency, the um, assistant PD, assistant program director, was very, very honest and vulnerable with us um, for one of the resident meetings we had. Mm -hmm. So he tells us the story. He's like, you know, I finished anesthesia residency. I felt like a hotshot. Um, <laughs> went to Stanford. I'm an attending there doing my thing. And I had this particular case. And, you know, short story is um, he made a mistake. The, the patient lived. It wasn't, you know, anything fatal or terrible. But he made a mistake and it was so significant that afterwards he felt so down. He said, oh my gosh, uh, here I thought that I was great and I just did something terrible. And he, he's like, I felt terrible. He's like, for a year, my confidence was totally shot. It's like, I had a hard time, you know, looking at other people in the face because I kept thinking of this mistake that I had done and I felt like it overshadowed everything that I could do yeah and I really appreciated his courage in telling that because guess what none of us usually want to expose the deep dark painful vulnerable parts of our human experience you know we like to share the highlights enter in social media right like yes. I want to tell you about all the schools I got accepted into or you know all the symposiums I go to for my my research project, but I don't want to tell you how I barely passed general chemistry, or I don't want to tell you how, um, you know, I thought I was going to have this great experience in research, but the PI hated me and my experience sucked, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, for all the listeners that general chemistry comment that actually was me, I barely passed. Um, I would have certain exams where I was praying and I said, you know, I know, God, I could have probably studied much better, <laughs> but please just let me pass this class because I don't want to take it again. <laughs> so, you know, we have those experiences and when we're removed from those experiences and we're successful or however we define success, it's easier for us to talk about it. But when we're going through it or we're relatively close to that experience, it's much harder to share it. So what does that mean for the listener who is a pre-med? It means... You got to keep that in mind when you talk to people that it's hard for them to share these, you know, intimate aspects of their experience where they felt like they failed, where they felt like they weren't good enough, or they felt like they actually weren't good for whatever reason. You can talk to surgeons, physicians, you know, every member of, you know, the field of medicine, and everybody has at least one story where they can say, they can point to this and say, this experience, I felt terrible. I felt less than I felt like I wasn't a good doctor. Yeah. And so if you know that physicians in practice can have that experience, whether they're new, established, mid-career, whatever, then doesn't that mean that you too are allowed to make mistakes? Right. Doesn't that also doesn't that also show all of us that apparently nobody is born a perfect physician? <laughs> we actually have to train and develop experience, you know, every physician that, uh, that you speak to as a pre-med, whatever level that they're in, the main difference between them and you is a couple of years of experience. Right. So 
why can't you also be in that position? All you also need is a couple years of experience also, in addition to the work ethic, the discipline, the passion, you know, take the self-care to be able to get to that point as well. Yeah, and I'd actually love to talk more about like allowing yourself to make these mistakes because, you know, like even now, I know that every single physician is a doctor, but in my, or is a human, but in my head, every single doctor is perfect and they would never make a mistake. But Mm -hmm. then you have to remember that they're also human beings and they do make mistakes. And I just, I'd love to know how like physicians can get past that and stop feeling like they don't deserve to be doctors. Because I think that even as a pre-med, you know, like if you're working as a CNA or a phlebotomist or whatever, any pre-med job and you make a mistake, I feel like that could really make you question whether you want to be a doctor. And same goes at, at the doctor level, like it could really make you question if you deserve to be in that position. So how do you kind of let yourself, give yourself that grace to allow yourself to make mistakes and kind of move on from that? I love that. I love that you said grace, because I think that is a perfect word that encapsulates what it is that we all need to practice and give ourselves. So it depends on the person, just like in medicine, you'll hear this ad nauseum. There is no one size fits all, um, or quote unquote, call it silver bullet. Um, so it depends on the person. So if you or the listener is religious, then maybe that spiritual development will really enable you to, you know, get those reminders of grace. You Mm -hmm. know, if you believe in a higher entity, you believe in God, Mm -hmm. um, or however, then you, then you can study and recognize, well, just as you receive grace, then you too can give grace to yourself and to others. Right. If um, that is not, you know, if you don't have that spiritual religious bent and you, you know, however you, um, you think about how the world or how we're connected, then you can make observations that every expert, right? Or wh- whoever you think is an expert, they made a ton of mistakes to get to where they are. The difference is that you can only see the phenotype, the phenotype, right? The presentation, right. Right. Gen- little genetics term here <laughs> that, you know, you see one thing, but it doesn't tell you the full underlying story. You don't, you can see the phenotype, but you don't know the genotype, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what particular factor we're referring to. Somebody could be heterozygous and present, you know, with let's say flower presents with a pink color, homozygous, you you present with the same color. But just looking at that color, looking at the face value, the phenotype doesn't give you the full picture. So how do you extend grace to yourself? Remind yourself um, to be logical, to be more loving, practice, you know, giving and receiving love. Um, because once, when we make medicine, our identity, it becomes very difficult to, to do that, to practice that, um, grace or that self-kindness or self-compassion. Um, if you consider your being as a physician, this noble, you know, incredible person that pretty much seems superhuman in, in a lot of ways, physicians definitely practice and operate at a very, very high level, both physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, et cetera. Um, it can be very difficult because then 
some people might find themselves in the trap where they're deferring to external factors for validation. So for example, I got an A. Oh, now I, now I know I'm smart because I got an A. So what happens if you get a B or a C? Now you're dumb. You know, that all or nothing type of mindset is quite dangerous and really retards progress, meaningful progress, because the way you're going to become a doctor is you're constantly improving, you're constantly learning. No physician is like, oh, I'm done learning. I know everything there is to know about pediatrics, period. That's it. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) No one says that (laughs) because it's not true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And another piece of thing that I personally just always think about whenever I deal with these kinds of um, personal problems or like the imposter syndrome story I shared earlier is I just try to remind myself that, first of all, I have been on this particular pre-med journey for for so many years now. And if if it really wasn't right for me, I would have somehow left the journey. Like, um, I don't like, like you were saying, if you believe in a higher entity, like the higher entity would have potentially like skewed you off of the journey or just, you would have felt that it wasn't right for you. And if you haven't felt that yet, then it's probably right for you. And the other thing that I think is really important is to lean on others, be vulnerable with others and let people know that you are feeling this way because you would be surprised at how many people can relate to you and they just don't talk about it. Like today after my anatomy lab class, I talked to one of my friends who is also in the medical field. She's a um, she's an M1 in medical school. And she told me that you are going to feel like that every single day and every single person feels like that. And that really made me feel better because I felt like I wasn't doing it alone. And I felt like I felt like I wasn't alone in general. And that made me feel a lot more confident in myself and a lot more confident in my ability to get there eventually and my ability to learn. And this was my first time looking at those muscles and tendons in real life. And I just told myself that I'm still learning and I will get there. And this is the right track for me because I have put so many hours and so much passion and energy and love into this journey. And that's just a couple of things to add on to what you said um, Mm -hmm. that usually really helped me get myself out of that kind of um, cycle of um, thinking that I don't deserve to be here. Mm, That's very, very powerful. So to summarize, asking for help or leaning on others, as you so beautifully put it. Yes. Another thing to remind yourself that um, you can do is to write down your previous accomplishments, mm-hmm. things that make you happy or proud that you've achieved. It does, it can be academic if you want to, it doesn't have to be. So it could be something as simple as, you know, you've been meaning to spend time with your siblings and do, you know, an activity together and you finally made that happen. Like that is an accomplishment. Right. Um, or it could be, you know, you were in a tough class and you did better than you thought that's an accomplishment or even just you passed and that's still an accomplishment as well. Um, You made your writing down. Exactly. (laughs) Writing down our accomplishments and reviewing them can actually be a great form of positive reinforcement and mental upgrade or adjusting because now we're, as, as we all know, the voice that we hear the most usually is our own internal voice. Right. 
our own narrator and our narrators can be quite critical or mean. And so it's also up to us to put play our part and feed our mind, our spirit, positive things. So let's say you're coming up to the application cycle, your MCAT, whatever, um, stressful meeting with somebody and go ahead and take out you know, your notes on your phone or on paper and say, okay, I did this. I also did this. I also did that. And you feel a sense of accomplishment and you'll remind yourself, okay, you'll get a bit, bit more of a realistic um, perspective yes. of where you are, how far you've come and how much farther you're going to go. Yes, that is such an amazing piece of advice, actually. And that just will give you that confidence boost in the moment that you need to kind of get through whatever difficult task you're gonna go through in that moment. And I think in general, writing things down, like if you're really stressed about something, I always find that writing my list of tasks down or writing whatever is in my head down Mm -hmm. It kind of detaches me from what's in my head. It gets me out of my head. And I'm able to kind of more clearly see that this isn't as big of a deal as I was making it in my head. So I think just writing things down in general, like that's just a good piece of advice in general to get through any times of adversity. And especially in those times where you feel like you need that confidence boost to just mm -hmm. read your list of achievements. That's that's a really cool thing to do. And I think that's, that's something that I should start doing. <laughs> But anyways, um, I know that our podcast, I feel like I could talk to you forever, Dr. Mona. I love <laughs> all of your advice. Um, but um, as we come to a close to our podcast, um, I know you have so much advice to give. And um, for all of you listeners, please download her book um, at drmona.com. Um, but before we get to that, do you do you think you could give us like a couple of pieces of advice that uh, utter your biggest pieces of advice um, just to close the podcast out? Yes. Okay. So I'll say, first I'll say this, drmana.com is spelled out doctor and then M-A-N-N-A.com for the pre-med survival guide available as an ebook, audiobook. And there is an interactive digital workbook that accompanies it so you can practice the lessons and tips that were presented in the pre-med survival guide. Now for my closing remarks. So for everyone who is listening, who is pre-med, whether you are a non-trad, so non-traditional or traditional pre-med, male, female, African, Indian, you know, whatever your background, whether you do or don't have doctors in your family, your family does or doesn't have any money, you know, wherever you fall within the spectrum of human experience, keep this in mind. If you believe it, it can be. Yes. If you believe it, it can be. Because once you believe it, now you have that energy, you have that internal motivating force to do it. You have that force that's going to allow you to be disciplined, to make a plan, execute that plan, modify as necessary, rinse and repeat until you get to where you want to be. Yes, I love that. And that's actually something that I um, have always, I think it was Walt Disney's quote, if you can dream it, you can do it. That's something that I've 
actually also always um, used as a piece of motivation um, for myself throughout throughout middle school, high school, and college. So that's such a great piece of advice. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, for all of you listeners, go and follow Dr. Manna on Instagram at motivationmd underscore 101. And again, like we said before, her book is available at drmanna.com and that's D-O-C-T-O-R-M-A-N-N-A.com. Um, you should definitely get that book, download the book, read it. Um, and and it, it's something that you can use not only throughout college, but also throughout medical school, residency, all of your training. I think that it's gonna help so much um, just to get yourself in the right mindset to overcome um, any mental, mental um, challenges that you face and also any adversities that you face in general. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Manna, for being here. I've really enjoyed talking to you. We'll have to get you back on this podcast again to talk more. That um, would be awesome. And <laughs> thank you so much, Isha, and the whole team for having me. Your podcasts are great. I listen to them. Your guests have always been amazing. So I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to talk to you. Congratulations. You're going to be an incoming osteopathic physician doctor very soon. So I'm very excited for you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for those kind words. And I'm so happy that you like our podcast. We really love recording these. We get to meet so many people and get so much amazing advice from you guys. And um, we love that we're able to share it with the pre-med community. So um, again, remember to follow Dr. Manna and also follow us on Instagram at the.premed.perspectives. And we'll catch you guys later. Thank you for listening.